Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Drum Network podcast. I'm the senior reporter for the Drum, Chris Sutcliffe. Television provides us with some of our most well-known cultural touchstones, from the shared experience of discussing the latest episode of Strictly Come Dancing to speculating online about the next episode of a murder mystery show. The television landscape is increasingly fragmented with a vast array of platforms and channels delivering more choice of short-form and long-form content than ever before. The line between film and TV is also blurring, and even the most staid and traditional broadcaster is experimenting with new forms of video to appeal to younger audiences. So in this podcast, we're going to hear from some experts in television creation and marketing in order to determine the future of the medium. But to begin with, I asked them to introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Mihir Harriet Shah. I'm the head of broadcast at Anything is Possible, or AIP as I may refer to it. Um, AIP was started up a few years ago as a startup agency and until now have been kind of a digitally led agency. And I've just come in as the head of broadcast six weeks ago. My background is very much kind of AV and uh, TV planning and buying. So I started off in the media industry in 2013 as a, a planner buyer um, across one of the big retail banking accounts uh, on TV, radio, cinema and video on demand. Um, my interest in the CTV space really kind of came in in my, um, in my last role at an agency called Total Media, mm. where a lot of the focus on planning and buying was on consumer behaviours. And obviously, over the last uh, five plus years, there's been a huge shift in um, the way consumers uh, watch TV um, because of technology advances. I also found myself talking to friends outside of the industry who would always ask me, is anyone watching TV anymore? <laughs> Doesn't everyone just watch Netflix? Um, I, I found that being a kind of recurring theme. And so I really took a, a different look at it um, from an industry perspective, as well as kind of my own consumer habits and took an interest in initially the streaming services and then uh, following that kind of what's happened with the uh, connected TV advertising opportunities that have ar- arisen with uh, with the technology advances. Um, so, so yes, I've, I've been interested in it for a long period of time. I've, I've done a lot of speaking, writing, paneling, et cetera, um, over the last three or four years. Um, and I'm still not bored of the topic. And I'm still <laughs> incredibly excited about this space. That's good. Thanks for letting the listeners know that you're not bored of it just before we go into the discussion. <laughs> And Colin, I know you're coming at it from a slightly different background. So what's your expertise and what's been your experience with it? Uh, so I've run uh, Chief Productions. I set that up 25 years ago um, uh, to make um, TV programs uh, back yeah, back in the early 90s. Uh, I did have a family background in advertising. And actually, I was... I found I was making programs that were getting sponsored for more than I was making them for. Mm. Um, so I started banging the drum of brand funded advertising back in the mid nineties, actually. Um, but, um, you know, it's quite hard, you know, it's a new company without any track record making broadcast programs. Uh, I didn't work for a, a, a broadcast production company. Um, I had worked a little bit in advertising, so I had to supplement my income of making TV programs. I started trying to make ads and, uh, mm. I found we were more successful as a production company. We obviously got a lot quicker out, quicker turnover making ads. And the company's now 25 years on, employing uh, 30 people full time and studios in Manchester and offices in London and, uh, yeah, and, uh, and Sydney. Thanks. Fantastic. So really, we've got two experts coming at it from very different points of view. I think then the thing to, before we get into sort of questions around marketing and advertising and sponsorship opportunities, is if we discuss the format of television itself, 
And so, Mahir, I wondered, you, you know, you spoke about CTV then. I wondered from a consumer point of view, do you see there being much of a difference between the programs that are being produced for linear television versus those that are being produced you know, specifically for streaming? Or is effectively video now a broad enough um, descriptor for everything that sits across all those channels? Um, I think there definitely was a difference in kind of the content that was being produced for streaming services and um, and kind of, let's say, linear TV services. Uh, linear TV was still very focused on kind of dramas, reality, uh, entertainment, and also kind of a news source, which it still plays all of those roles. But the streaming services, when they came around, were very kind of box set series, high production, massive kind of budgets that went into it. Um, and a lot of it was coming over from um, from America, and you you weren't seeing a huge amount of uh, say British content in this country, um, other than what you get on your uh, linear TV sets. Mm. Um, however, if we think of it from a consumer perspective, I think they really did distinguish the difference between watching something on YouTube, watching something on TV, uh, watching something on Netflix or Amazon Prime. But because of the technology advances and the uh, and the kind of the increase in penetration of connected TVs or, or CTV, apologies for already using um, <laughs> uh, so so much media jargon. Um, but yeah, uh, the the penetration increase of, of CTVs has really kind of meant that most of the content, whether it is linear TV broadcast to catch up content or AVOD content or Netflix, Amazon Prime, etc., even YouTube, um, most of it is actually consumed on the big TV screen. Now, I still think consumers distinguish between what platforms they're watching, but I I believe that they all kind of encompass it under the banner of TV. Mm. And as an advertiser, I know we're going to go into this a bit later, but as an advertiser, for me, anything that is on the big screen is now TV advertising, um, whether it is in linear TV content or any of the other content sources that I've just talked about. Right. So that's fascinating. We'll definitely get into that. And then, Carl, I wondered if you could maybe elaborate on some of those some this idea that television content, no matter which platform it's on, is still seen as very much prestige. It's still something that delivers high, uh, high ROI, but it's also something that consumers are hungry for. Now, what trends around consumption of television content have you seen over the past couple of years then that you think we should be really keeping an eye on? Um, I mean, it, it, with regards to broadcast, I mean, obviously it's not, it's not necessarily my but my but I mean I was yeah. very hope I was very hopeful um when Quibi started that that was going to be a success because you know coming from mm. a kind of short you know mainly a short form background you know I was really hopeful that Quibi you know would have would have done some damage really because uh, you know high production values put on short format I thought was cut through so I was actually really surprised oh, huge produ- like in, insane production values the stars they had attached to some of those programs yeah, so I mean, I, I, was, I was surprised by that failure. Really, um, maybe it wasn't, but uh, um, I think we we the uh, yeah, the demand for high production values, good storytelling. You know, Netflix and money they put into that has has basically set the new benchmark. You know, I was watching. I'm probably like everyone. You know, when you I watched The Serpent on BBC. And actually, mm. it was great to see that the production values in that were getting somewhere towards, you know, the Netflix type levels that you would see. Not quite, not there, but you know, it was great to see that, you know, the standards in in those in those uh, you know drama series is is being matched across you know Channel Four, 
BBC, all those channels are trying to max what the you know the SVOD channels are doing with yeah. their huge amounts of budget. So uh, yeah, you know, I know from a a producer perspective, um, just the just the attention to detail that's going into TV now. It's matching. It's starting to feel that it's getting up to the standards we we would we would apply in making adverts. Really, yeah. I even noticed that the news, you know, kind of outside broadcasting news, of standards of those productions are are increasing all the time. So I just think general high production value is is on the big screen, if that's the right word. Um, yeah, the bigger definitely. TV screen is yeah. um, is 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 a is, you know is a definitely a trend. I think that's fascinating that there is parity now between, you know, content that we would have thought of being sort of quite uh, regimented, quite staid and tried and true and traditional like news content yeah. with, like you said, kind of high production advertising and some of the SVOD shows, which are, you know, historically their production quality has matched, you know, the, the ones we've seen on the on the biggest screen of, of cinema. Yeah. So then is that is this a case of a rising tide has floated all boats and consumers now having more choice than ever are just... I suppose habituated to seeing that level of quality and expecting it everywhere that they go. I I, be, I, I believe that 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 is it, and you know, t- technically, it's it's much easier now for to do that. You know, the cameras and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, you know, that technology is readily available to much more people. So to get achieve those production values is 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 much easier in it than it was. But you still need to, you still need the craft, and there's a lot of directors out there fighting for the jobs and. You know, it's great. Good competition raises standards. Oh, absolutely, yeah, definitely. And Mahir, when you know we uh, when we were chatting ahead of the recording, you know, I, I think a couple of times you pointed out that there's significant opportunities when it actually comes to um, kind of you know, second screening and using uh, you know almost cro- cross platform opportunities there. So, that how much of that is enabled by new technology, and how much of it is just something that people have always been doing, just slightly more codified and uh, and widespread because of the kind of um, universal access to things like you know mobile phones. Yeah, I think um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. The fact that there's universal access to mobile phones, there's um, better kind of broadband penetration, and 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 all those sorts of things. And also, I think TV became a little bit lean out in terms of the way people were viewing it. It was it was on the background, but people weren't paying full attention. Or they were paying full attention, but the world of social media meant that people wanted to be engaged in content, in conversation about the content they're watching there and then. I mean, the classic example of this is Love Island and ITV2. It generates kind of more tweets than, than any other program aside from maybe the Great British Bake Off. But it kind of brought back that appointment to view moment again that people wanted to be present there and then, but at the same time they were looking at a second screen to be almost even more present and and kind of an early adopter and seem to be talking about um, what they're watching at, at the moment that it aired. So mm. that is, it's really kind of changed um, uh, viewing in that sense. I just want to go back to the point that Colin made about the news and, yeah, and you kind of followed it up. Um, I think the news is, is really interesting and I completely agree that the production of the news has, has increased, but I'm not sure, and Colin is, knows more about techno- production technology than I do, but I'm not sure if it is because of that or just because um, news has become really, really important in people's lives, and over the, over the kind of what's happened over the last few years with the the whole kind of fake news and and uh, picking your news sources and and all those sorts of things, I think they're competing even more between each other to to retain eyeballs and attention of consumers. Um, and then also we've also seen 
uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, people kind of returned to linear TV viewing because uh, they wanted to watch news or they wanted to watch escapism. So I think high production news content is more important than than ever. And I don't know if it is technology or if it's just uh, a realization that this is a great way to have many many eyeballs on the screen and kind of build trust of a of an overall brand as opposed to just a, a program. See, I think that's interesting, Colin. Do you have any thoughts on how that kind of th- this awareness that people have? multiple screens that they interact with content differently now that they can, you know, talk on social. Has that impacted how people think about production of television content and advertising? 100%, yeah, absolutely. It's been, you know, I mean, commissioners have been, you know, talking about kind of second screen opportunities for, you know, five or six years, really. Um, So um, possibly longer. But so, Mm. yeah, whenever you're, um, you're making programs or ads you are you are thinking about you know how you how you can create a further conversation online and how you can you know spin something out you know online so mm. yeah no, it's, that's a, it's a really exciting part of the process you know and uh, a, a creative very creative part of the process is how you how you can yeah how you can carry on those conversations beyond the ad or beyond the tv program and i suppose you have to be because you know, social audiences are so savvy, they they will know they're effectively being marketed to that way. Yeah. So it has to be a conversation around doing it in a way that feels natural and actually elevates the the primary content itself, rather than being a sort of you know hashtag flashing up on screen every couple of seconds. Yeah. All right. I think that's really interesting. And one of the things that I know that a lot of our audience members will be familiar with is the. Uh, vast array of devices that people are now consuming television content on and that creates its own challenges because obviously there there isn't parity between screen size there isn't necessarily an equivalent between you know the sound quality even between some devices so to what extent then are we creating this with the intention of almost minimum viable product for television content and how does that actually impact uh, how people think about advertising on television or rather against television content given that it can be consumed anywhere colin you probably have a production side to this first before we go to my here yeah um i mean i would say eight out of ten ads that we're shooting at the moment have have a digital element to them as well so you're shooting something for a you know for a for a big brand for the you know main t- main screen uh tv but um obviously every, every it, the brief is accompanied with right what we're going to do on the digital side of things and Probably only a couple of years ago, we were we were sort of resizing stuff to a to a, a mobile device, an iPad, whatever. But just, I mean, we had a, a five day shoot last week, and every we had a, we had different units going on. We had a, a full sixty crew unit shooting the main ad, and then we had a smaller, you know, ten man unit shooting all the digital stuff with, um, yeah, with completely different. Similar, similar content, different mm. way of engagement. Um, where you know that is that again, that creative process of how you make you, you've got a three sixty degree campaign, but you, the requirements online are are very different. There's like the requirements for engagement are are much different, and it's a, yeah, it's another creative. It's not an add-on anymore. It's, in fairness, it's probably more important. You know. Yeah, um, we work with you know, say airlines or you know holiday airlines, and certainly they're spending a lot of money on the big ad. But equally, 
equal amounts, if not more, on on the digital side of things. And that has got to be engaging in a different way. Certainly. And, you know, Mahir, we're talking there about different devices, connected television and advertising appearing in potentially formats that had to be you know, bespoke. So what conversations around that have been happening over the past couple of years and where do you see them going in the near future? So I think in terms of cross media, um, we're having a lot more conversations with clients up front. When we talk about a TV campaign, we, we then kind of talk about how we can make a, a good cut down of a TV advert so that it can be used across social. And, and it's a lot, a lot more of a, a joined up approach to deliver better storytelling across all platforms that consumers may be consuming. I think previously we may have been guilt, a bit guilty of of shoehorning creative into uh, into places that they may not have fit um, uh, as a, as an industry that is, um, or maybe um, maybe even not uh, giving a, a joined up enough approach. In terms of in terms of the connected TV versus TV world, um, I actually think that we're a little bit behind on this as an industry. Again, that okay, we're just we're just kind of putting out. TV adverts because they're getting on the TV screen. Whereas I actually think the environment and the kind of engagement of consumers um, in linear TV content versus kind of um, VOD content, uh, catch-up content of any sort is is quite different. It's a lot more appointment to view and so perhaps uh, more engaging. And I think, it, look, some of it may be to do with the cost of, of making multiple creatives, but if a brand is able to make multiple creatives, it'd be really amazing to see if they're they're able to kind of do different creators for different environments to to catch uh, consumers and when they're in in kind of different mindsets. Yeah, certainly. And actually, that brings up something that's I think probably very specific to you, Colin. But I wondered when you're actually talking to and directing talent for you know who are involved in the creating these advertising. Uh, sorry, let me start that again. Yeah. I've got to say the word advertisement. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you're actually directing that talent who are you know part and parcel of that creative that goes into television advertising how aware are they of you know the formats that those ads are going to be in and how do you actually give them direction for how to i suppose how to get across a message given that it can be much more broad than it used to be uh, i mean they're all the i mean from a from a casting perspective um the uh, you know, every every kind of brief has a as a digital brief, and mm. where before it's just like oh, we're going to pay you an extra grand to do some online stuff. You know that is so well legislated that by pact um, uh, by um, yeah by uh, I can't think of the body. Sorry, that's so. Yeah, no um, um, do you want me to ask the question again? You can do yes. Yeah. Do you need Sorry, any time honestly, to? I'm just, sort of, just trying to think of the the acting body actually. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, go for it. If if you want to uh, do a quick Google or anything, then, then I can just uh, ask the question again. It's fine. It's it's fine. But okay, all, the, cool. all, all the agents, um, all the all the agents are, you know, are completely on top of the the importance of online. So you know, a, a negotiation is, I mean, where it used to be like a thousand pounds, you know, it's 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 probably more money's been spent buying them out digitally now than ever before. Mm. Um, it's not really a lot of difference in the way you you brief the the, the actors or the talent. You know, it just there's the, the production the production standards for me have to be main, maintain the, the same high high values as you would do for normal TV. Um, yeah, you've definitely. got to engage at the same level. I mean, I know that. I suppose. I, I mean, I do worry that maybe 
the fact you can micro target people with algorithms say mm. you know does that make a client a little bit lazier with what they would expect from production value because um you know you're already talking to people who are partially oh, engaged i see what you mean okay but, yeah that's an interesting one so if but, you can potentially if we can use the tech to potentially prime our audience and know who we're talking to you don't necessarily have to be as discerning or specific in your messaging well i wouldn't agree with it but i think that could be mm. the case you know I, yeah. I would always think that you've got to keep the engagement and the integrity and the production values um I mean, there's no point shooting on 35 mil if you, something's going to be on a mobile phone. You know, mm. don't get me don't get me wrong. Uh, but I I think the you shouldn't be dropping your standards uh, just because you've got a targeted audience. I think ultimately the the, uh, the viewers will will see through that eventually. Oh yes, yeah, certainly. I think that we we'd all agree that today's today's audiences are, I suppose, you know, the, the term is almost bombarded. In a lot of cases with advertising, you know, if you go on YouTube now, for instance, I, I think there's more ads than there are videos. Yeah. It's, uh, it, and it can be quite interruptive. So I wondered then if if we're talking about, um, I suppose, best practice then for actually delivering these ads, is there best practice around what type of ads are working best? You know, do we find that breaking the fourth wall in advertising, television advertising is particularly effective? Are we going back to that kind of Ridley Scott directing bread advert type of high, very high quality stuff to to cut through. What are some of the trends around the actual content within television ads? For, for my point of view, I think it's definitely. I mean, some of the agencies I really respect have been, you know, have been a, we're doing this, you know, well before COVID. But I I do think that, you know, honest, honesty, believability, mm. relatability, authenticity. Are of you know very very important nowadays. I think humour. My comedy directors have never been so busy at the moment. You know, there yeah. definitely seems to be demand for you know humour. But this you know performance, you know, real stories about real people by mm. people. You know, you know, sort of elevated documentary type stuff. They seem to be more in demand uh, than ever before. I do think, um, but. You know, there is always a demand for kind of also escapism stuff, more fantasy stuff. But um, oh yeah, I suppose particularly uh, the moment as well. And um, Mahir, what, yeah. what what are some of the content trends that you've seen then, particularly around television advertising? Yeah, I think um, Colin used a really important word there with authenticity. I think that has become a, even more important now. Uh, I know um, previously uh, there's there's been a lot of talk around emotive advertising, and it's still. It's proved to be kind of the most effective form of uh, of TV advertising, and um, you can the the obvious uh, brand that comes to mind that has done it really well is is John Lewis. But I think throughout the pandemic we saw an amazing kind of pivot from brands and creative agencies in the way they just told kind of real stories. They obviously had to cut back on budgets and and the way they were shooting things. There was a lot of kind of um, adverts that were shot over over Zoom calls and and really kind of innovative ways uh, of doing things, but I think the fact that they were authentic and they really kind of touched the nation in the moment that that we were going through, um, it 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 really kind of it could it could have been really easy for it to be seen as a brand taking advantage of people being at home and advertising, mm. but because they came with authentic messaging, I think there's probably a few brands that did it quite wrong, but. I think the majority of brands that came with authentic messaging have done 
really well in terms of um, their long-term reputation with with consumers. So we've seen we've seen a lot more of that. And as um, uh, as Colin said, telling real stories. I think from the conversations that I've been involved in, that are both media planning and also creative planning, it is doing better storytelling. Something that kind of got lost. Um, advertising is an incredible storytelling uh, uh, medium, and and TV is a platform to do it, but we kind of got a bit lost um, for a few years, but I think it's, it's become increasingly important now. Uh, when you yeah. say we got lost, how was that sort of manifesting itself? It was just, um, it was just a bit too like in your face and, and maybe not real um, in terms of, uh, in terms of advertising. And, and we were almost turning consumers off advertising. You, you, mm. you only have to look at kind of the trends that we've seen. Um, the emergence of ad blockers is, is uh, well, pre pandemic, it was higher than it's ever been. Um, people are watching streaming content, yes, because the content is amazing, but also because they don't have ads interrupting that content. Um, people uh, moving away from the likes of Facebook, etc., because of ads. People moving away from WhatsApp because they're scared of the way their data is going to be used to target them with with things like ads as as one medium. So we really, as an industry, kind of turn people off advertising. Whereas throughout the '90s and early noughties. Advertising was hugely culturally culturally significant. People would be talking about ads all the time, and we lost that a little bit. But I think with with the ability to storytell well and the kind of switch back to looking at more authentic messaging, I believe that that is going to come around again, and people will be talking about great advertising again. Nice. And Colin, how widespread do you think that recognition is? Well, um, I think it, well, I think it, yeah, exceptionally wide. It's um, I say the, the briefs that I almost every brief that script that's on my desk at the moment is is to that you know is to that tune really of authenticity and, and interesting stories it's, you know and it's actually brilliant to be producing ads like that again um, mm. you know it's sometimes you just got you know, I love absolutely love making adverts you know you know I've done it the majority of my life and yeah um, you know every it's always a challenge you don't know what's going to land on your desk but there is something really fulfilling. Uh, and rewarding about you know the, the quality of scripts of you know real stories real situations and believability that we're we're dealing with at the moment it's just fun to produce and actually you're proud of it at the end you don't you know you actually you feel like you're engaging your your audience and you, they're not going to be put off by what you're saying you know they will mm. be engaged and actually you feel like you're telling them of course you're selling something but you feel like you're also probably telling something you know good at the same yeah, time, it doesn't feel so bad. Well, we've had, I suppose that to some extent, then the that line between what is video advertising and what is video content has blurred a lot. If you think about things like the raft of Lego television programming which has been created, that is in effect a sponsored piece of content for Lego as well. Yeah. But consumers recognize the fact that it's actually adding value to them as well because it is entertaining in its own right. Yeah. So then to what extent do you think we're going to see uh, she? To what extent then do you think we're going to see a, a shift across the entire industry to a more sponsorship-focused method of creating advertising on television? Well, from my point of view, I, I said at the beginning, this is this is something that I believed was going to happen 25 years ago. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was absolutely harping on about brands funding broadcast programs, you know, mid-90s, and 
um, commissioners were were very offended by the thought. Well, some of the commissioners that I was dealing with at the time were like, "There's no way that's going to happen." You know, to have a brand infiltrating their editorial was was you know was no way that was going to happen. <laughs> um, and actually, obviously, because of the kind of what's happened in the last twelve months and revenues, broadcast revenues going down with advertising, you know, as we know, all the broadcasters are looking towards brands all of a sudden. I mean, I've just come back from shooting a brand funded program in Antigua about a guy who's the oldest guy to ever row across the Atlantic. Um, I'm so jealous. I'm so um, jealous. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and that's a, that's a really, that's a brand funded thing that's a very warm story about a 70 year old guy who's very inspiring and it's brand funded and it's, you know, there's all sorts of spin offs from it. Um, but I just think, yeah, I, it's got to be handled properly. I, I, if it's if brand funded programming, I think that's a, a big part of the future. I think if it gets into the wrong hands or isn't handled properly, it could be horrible. Uh, mm. But I believe, you know, you, if that the craft of advertising is applied, but with the, you know, the integrity of editorial integrity that commissioners want, I think there's a there, there'll be some brilliant programs to be made because there'll be bigger budgets available. There'll be all sorts of stories opened up, but it just cannot be. It's got to be handled delicately, and for me, that's my biggest worry: that it, the prevalence of, and importance of it, and just getting into the wrong hands. It, yeah, it could get a bit, a bit horrible, but uh, and, certainly uh, not in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> and Mahir, then, what have you? What have you seen around that sort of space? I'm sorry, I'm still distracted by Antigua. But what? Yeah, what have you seen around that kind? Of, Oh yeah, no! Um, Completely grey, and then I'm looking at these pictures of blue skies, <laughs> tropical seas, and gutted. Exactly. Um, in terms of, in terms of that, I I think that it it makes complete sense. Um, as as we spoke about earlier in in uh, kind of this chat, that um, there is such a demand for great content for consumers, um, but equally, um, ad- advertising advertising revenues across TV are are falling um uh, across the traditional broadcasts anyway um so it's kind of like a double-edged sword like where do, where do they get this money to do this amazing content to complete with compete with um the streaming services so that they get more eyeballs on screen and bring ads revenue back it's, it's where do you kind of go in that circle so definitely ad funded programming and and ha- letting brands kind of not necessarily influence but have an input into into content i think is it's hugely important um, to the long-term future of kind of uh, the broadcasters and and having constant new content on our TV screens, which let's face it, consumers are more demanding than ever because there is so much great uh, video content available. Um, so I think it's, it's definitely becoming more and more important. Um, we are having a lot of programme funding companies reach out to us now to ask if we have brands that would be able to... Um, help with the narrative of programming and also kind of pay x amount of money up front um to sponsor a program and have um have maybe uh co-branded content and and all, all of that sort of thing so there's there's an emergence of these companies and and uh some really amazing kind of opportunities for advertisers out of the back of it and hopefully some great content for consumers as well yeah certainly and i, I think there was a um oh go on colin uh, i mean that's that's right you know the we're, we're as, a, as a commercials production, a predominant product, commercials production company that has a track record, probably the longest track record of making brand funded programming. 
we're being approached by other broad, you know, broadcast production companies who don't have any advertising knowledge, but know that they've got to tap into that advertising money to get their, you know, to, to be able to get the programs away. And as I say, I do over the last sort of 15 years, I've seen many of these opportunities fail, more fail than have actually succeeded mm. because it, it's such a juggling act to juggle, obviously, the media everyone's motivations really the motivations of clients and commissioners and media yeah i imagine and, and, that that can be nightmarish if the if the client and the, the sort of the brand yeah. aren't happy with how it's being presented it's such a fine line and uh yeah it's 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 and it, it is becoming much more important now and i I'm, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens it just uh, everyone's got to maintain and check but you know I, I feel i have an opinion of whose hands it should fall into to, to mm. drive it through um but I think that's where that's where it's going to be interesting over the next you know year or so to see how how it develops. Yeah, certainly. And so moving on then from the content of the actual con, <laughs> moving on from the topic of the actual content of those ads, what new tech opportunities are there around television advertising that we're particularly excited about? Whether that is the ability to create you know mixed reality um, advertising uh, using kind of you know AR, or whether that's you know as we mentioned before, the ability to really target individual people based on the data which we have available. So what would, Mihir, if you want to take this one, I don't know yeah. if you want to sort of flag up some examples of that. Um, I think the, well, the obvious thing with, with kind of the, the connected TV penetration is the real kind of convergence of the TV world and, and the digital world and, mm. and the ability to to really kind of do data-led TV, TV and uh, plat sorry, bought and planned TV advertising campaigns. I think um, the opportunities there are absolutely incredible. TV has always been, in terms of an advertising medium, a, a one-to-many platform, meaning that you're reaching thousands, hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of people with, with one ad spot going out. And that TV will never lose that strength. I, I yeah. strongly believe that. Um, however, it did mean that the barriers to entry were really high for kind of new advertisers and, and kind of new brands. Um, but with the emergence of, of kind of connected TV and this data-led approach where you can reach a household based on their, their characteristics and know that they are the most likely household to be interested in your product, all of a sudden you have an opportunity to to do some great TV advertising and be really, really effective um, by reaching only the households that are, are relevant to you on the big screen in the house. Those households won't know that they're the only household being exposed to, to the TV advert. So. Mm. They, they still kind of see oh, this brand is on TV. Oh my God, they must be like super premium. And um, But actually it's just really kind of clever data-led uh, planning and buying. So for me, that is the most exciting opportunity that we're, we've now kind of done one of the, broken down one of the biggest barriers to entry in terms of the investment that is required to go onto TV. And we've really kind of reduced that down. The other thing um, is obviously the creative side of it and um, and kind of the investment in, in that. But I think everything that we've spoken about, um, brands know that uh, creative is imperative to, to kind of telling their story and, and investment should be uh, really kind of strong in that sector. The one thing that I would like to see more of from, from brands, uh, tech partners, advertisers, etc., is the use of I know you've talked about AR, but also kind of the use of more kind of contextual advertising. Things mm. like that. As an industry, we've talked about it for a very long period of time. Some of our biggest broadcasters have talked about releasing um, kind of uh, 
um, AI sort of or, or dynamic ad insertion based on uh, things that have happened in the program and then going into an ad break with with uh, with things that are relevant to it. So it could be like, I don't know, um, someone in a soap is using a mobile phone and then the first ad that you see in the ad break is, is for a mobile phone. And those sorts of things are really exciting, uh, contextually relevant um, uh, advertising. But I feel like as an industry, we're, we're yet to really kind of bring that to scale and and find a, a, a good way of doing it. But I think it's, it's an untapped area of opportunity for me. So a real opportunity for growth then, I suppose. Definitely. Nice. And Colin, how about yourself? Is there anything from a technical point of view that you think we should be paying more attention to over the next couple of years? Well, it's great to, um, on that, just great to hear me here talking there. And, you know, back to um, really creative buying is, is is quite exciting, actually. You know, my my mum invented the top and tailing of adverts back in the early mid-70s. So that creative process in, in the media departments is, is quite exciting to hear. Um, VR, AR, you know, I, I've yet to see how that can work. You know, it's exciting to know what that it's there as technology. Um, I'm yet to really see how it can work for us yet in, in production. Enough. But I'm I'm looking forward to those opportunities. You know, the creative departments and agencies cracking those opportunities. And you know, if the opportunity there, I'll certainly find ways of producing stuff using that technology. So, but I haven't had many opportunities to work with that yet. Um, but I mean, for me, technology. I mean, it's more probably around the creative filming process that I get excited yeah. about technology. Um, you know, smaller cameras and things like that have made a huge difference to um, the way stories are told. And you know, there's some less intrusive cameras get more intimate stories, um, more natural performances. Um, you know, so it's obviously less, in, you know, less intrusive. So um, mm. they're exciting. Um, I think. The biggest change, one of the biggest things in production after smaller cameras has obviously been the use of drones. Um, and that's given a whole new perspective to the world that you could only really get with high budgets and helicopters. So that's you know, probably not, these aren't the answers you're probably looking for. But um, and I'm, no, I'm really exci- excited about the, you know, obviously the first person drones that you see on, you know, incredible technology that is. And I think. You, you can now get really high-speed cameras on really small drones, and you know suddenly the images we're going to be producing are just going to be mind-blowing. So yeah. really, it's really exciting. You know, from getting into a more sort of arty area, you know that you can engage beyond just the amazing storytelling and interesting. You know, it opportunities to engage with new technology is, and you know, standing out with brave clients adopting those kind of tech, filming techniques is is going to be exciting as well. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think as you mentioned, those kind of those first person drones, some of the shots we've already seen around, you know, automotive advertising that uses those really, really well yeah. to capture unbelievable images are just so striking and they stand out so much. Well, thank you both very much for for taking the time to talk. I obviously couldn't let this conversation end without asking both of you for a television recommendation for the audience. So Mahir, is there anything that you're watching at the moment that you think would be really, really uh that our audience would would really love? Um, oh God, I've watched some amazing things uh, throughout lockdown. Um, it's a big question. It is a big yeah, question. That's why I asked it last. I think the, my favourite thing that I've watched in the past year was um, the Last Dance documentary. I'm a big basketball fan, but I think some of the, the footage that um, kind of came out of that from um, 
uh, that they had of the locker rooms in the 90s was was amazing to see. Um, which, so that was really incredible. But at the moment, um, undoubtedly, the thing that I look forward to every week is One Division on yep. Disney Plus. Um, it is incredible. I mean, Disney have spared no expense with it, but I actually think the the story of that program is has exceeded all of my expectations. Yeah, absolutely. The sort of thing that could only really be done after what years and years and years of their shared universe. Now, exactly. Uh, I, I love it too. I think it's absolutely fascinating. How about you, Colin? What are you watching at the moment that you'd want to recommend? <laughs> well, I. A couple of years ago, I started watching The Last Man on Earth, and mm. since the pandemic has hit, I've decided to revisit the last two seasons. And actually, it's un- it's unbelievable that it's uh, that series, really. You know, in light of what we know now, so that's quite funny. yeah, um, slightly annoying but funny, <laughs> and a, a good bit of escapism. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for taking part. Um, if our audience wants to find you and maybe bend your ear on anything, where's the best place for them to get in contact with you, Colin? Uh, Colin at chief.tv. Fantastic. And you, Mahir? Um, either LinkedIn, just uh, search for Mahir Harrier Shah, or on Twitter um, at MahirHS215. Nice. So thank you both very much for taking part. I know we could have spoken about this for hours and hours and hours. Definitely. But I think there was some fantastic insight in there, and I know our audience will really appreciate getting that brief glimpse into the future of television. 